Hello, welcome to the Weight Endurance Podcast. I am your host, Cody Waite, sitting across the podcasting table with my lovely co-host, Kathy Waite. Hello, everybody. Uh, We're taking you through our seasonal training methods and progressions to make you a fitter and faster cyclist. And we're into episode number 46 of our first season, getting near the end of the season. When's the end of the season? Um, That's a great question. I mean, we have like two (laughs) more episodes, I think, and then we get into the second season where we basically it's like the end of this training season okay. and then we get into like next base builder season all right because weeks are just like blurring blurring together, together. yeah absolutely um but yeah almost a full season of um podcasting which has been really fun I've, congratulations I've to it. us <laughs> right um what have we been up to lately i mean honestly we've been training You've, I mean, we've both been yeah. enjoying the, the short, high-power intervals. Yeah, um, just really enjoying riding my bike, and of course, I'm playing pickleball. Um, August is always a really busy time for me as a mom. I think that that's how most moms feel, like you're getting your kids ready to go back to school, and, and even with our kids being older, there's just stuff. You know, we had to get help Sophia get registered for Red Rocks classes, and we're trying to figure out this remote hybrid learning for Noel. And our oldest daughter yeah. got moved back up to Fort Collins. It's unusually strange this year, yeah, with all yeah, the remote learning. Yeah, so it's learning. bizarre and weird, but August is, as usual, kind of just too busy. Yeah. But I don't like that kind of stuff. It feels like summer's over. Like, we don't get to just have fun. I have to do all these mom things that are not my favorite tasks. Right. And then compounding that, it's been extremely hot mm-hmm. everywhere, I think. But I know here in Denver, it's been in the 90s. For like weeks on end, which is unusual um, and not fun. And then on top of that, we've had like multiple f- forest fires mm, in Colorado and elsewhere, and all the flame, like smoke is flowing right over us, and yeah. the air quality is terrible. So, honestly, I mean, for short and sweet workouts, mm-hmm. this is the perfect time to do it. And um, also, due to those fires, the few little race opportunities we were maybe going to have have just been canceled locally here yes we had our hearts set on racing in winter park next weekend next saturday i think next saturday and then yeah the the fires near there have caused the forest service to put the kibosh on On any events in the forest so that's out so basically i mean you and i and our team and you know we're going to wrap up one more week of season salvation which we'll touch on here in a second um and then kind of basically gear up for a little bit of a break going into September and and you've promised to play pickleball with me in September I'll even play pickleball maybe once (laughs) I'll play a couple times okay Uh, well um I hope we didn't sound too complainy because really I I feel like life is good right now and people are healthy in our family and we're good yeah riding our bikes are fun yeah it's Um, just a tough time of year (laughs) for sure um yeah and then some other things just working on ramping things up for 2021 so that includes things like our redevelopment program that we're expanding. We talked a lot about that in episode 44 when we had a few of the mm-hmm. writers as guests uh, guests on the show. So give that episode a listen. Um, and we're open for registration for our We Devo team for writers 14 to 22 years old looking for some structured online coaching utilizing Zoom and Zwift and videos and conference calls and things like that um, to get their training on track for 2021. And then also application window is still open for a couple more weeks um, for sort of higher level junior and U23 athletes 
targeting UCI events. Um, and we've got a couple spots to fill and we've got a lot of great applicants already, but if there's any more out there listening or parents of some high level young athletes that think they might be interested, let them know and get your applications in. And, um, we'll be figuring all that stuff out soon enough. Yeah. It's really exciting. We had a couple zoom calls yesterday talking to some potential some local kids candidates. Yeah. We have some more to schedule this week with some out of town kids that have sent in applications. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, what's really cool this year with we devos are opening it up to writers that live anywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. So that'll be pretty fun to get some out of state writers and then also gearing up for our 16th year of base builder. Um, and that's starting, I looked at it this morning, six weeks. Oh my, start. I yeah. better start doing some more Yeah, things. October <laughs> 5th, I believe, is the Monday that okay. we'll start. So we've got six weeks or so. Um, and we got a lot of really cool things. We're like going all gung-ho and all in on the remote aspect. Like going all in. Many companies yeah, and schools. Yeah, that'd be schools. great. Um, on, you know, the online remote stuff utilizing Zoom and you're going to be leading strength training yes. over the internet, you know, live or recorded. I'm going to be leading the bike workouts. Um, we're working on tons of like new videos and everything that's going to like complement that program. So we talked a ton about that in the last episode, number 45. So give that one a listen and consider joining us um, for that. I think it'll be really good. So, um, Oh, and then lastly, we'll talk about this more maybe in the next episode, but we're working on – it is sponsorship finding hunting season mm-hmm. um, for teams and athletes. And it, it's a time of the year that I guess I kind of like dread, I guess. It's, well, you said that this morning when you were drinking your coffee and working on your, on your computer and I asked you what you were working on. And you said you were putting together sponsorship proposals. And I said, you're great at that. And you're like, I am? I'm like, yeah. So just do what you do and you put together good packages and you're very like respectful when you talk to companies and – People want to help a good cause, and yeah. these young writers are a good cause. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work, honestly, to put together these like pitch decks and then reach out and try yeah. to get you know your foot in the door and and all those sorts of things. I don't want to bore people too much, but um, but we will have some fundraiser options. Um, we're gonna have three actual fundraiser options um, through as we build up to the twenty twenty one season. And this is all referring to our We Debo team, by the way. Um, and then I got to pound the pavement and reconnect with our current sponsors and try to, you know, look for new sponsors of other areas that we don't have yet. And so a lot of work to do. So I believe in you. It works well with the end of the season. Training is going to, you know, decrease significantly. So that'll open up the time to, to do all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of what I've been. Yeah. You've been busy. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So we mentioned earlier season salvation. We're going into, we're going into week 11 most of the people following the plan are like a week after us, okay. so they will be going into week 11 the f- next week. Okay. Week 11 is the last actual training week of the whole 12-week program because the 12th week is another recovery week, gotcha. and people can test if they want to you know, check for improvement and that sort of thing. If you're lucky enough to have some events in your area, go race. You'll be in good shape. Um, and if you've kind of had your fill, kind of where we're at by about now, We'll take our little break, and we'll talk about that in the coming episode, taking that end-of-season okay. break, too. Um, but, you know, as this third and final week of this high-intensity block, the goal, if you're feeling good and recovering well and getting the training in, is you can basically increase the load by two methods, either adding additional intervals to the sets of intervals mm-hmm. 
or extending the duration of the individual intervals. So for example, if you're doing five times three minute VO2 max intervals, you could add a sixth one um, potentially to add more minutes, or you could do five times four minute VO2 max intervals. So it's just real simple options of extending, getting a little more high intensity volume. Yeah, I had that uh, experience this week with uh, the VO2 max intervals. Okay. So um, let me back up. So a week ago, I went with Nico from the team, mm -hmm. and, and Sophia joined us a little bit later, and we went over to one of our favorite roads to train on in Morrison called Grapevine. Yep. Sort of tucked up in kind of the backwoods Yeah, a it's a bit. great little quiet road for intervals. It's, yeah. it's perfect. So it was very, very smoky that day, and I wasn't sure I could really push it. It was I was having kind of a hard time breathing. So I did... Um, Six by five minutes. It takes me about five-ish minutes to get up to the stop sign where you can loop, loop around. around. Right. And I decided to kind of back off the the power a little bit and and do the five-minute efforts at my. Let me get this right. My thirty. No, my sixteen-minute power. No, I think you're thirty-two. Oh dear. Power. Yeah. Yeah. My my. Your anaerobic threshold. That's true. Thank the top you. End of yeah, your anaerobic my thirty-two-minute power. So for the, for me, that meant I hovered around two ten, two fifteen. Right. And they were tough. So I did six of those around 210, and then I was slowly making my way back down. I would take about a four-minute break down. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that was a good workout. I, I was actually very proud of oh, it. Oh, yeah. So if you did – sorry to interrupt. If you did six times five minutes, it's 30 minutes at your 32-minute power. So mm -hmm. And actually, it was like 520, so I really did about – Oh, then you probably got the 32, yeah, 32 minutes. minutes. Yeah, and the, and the quote-unquote prescription calls for four by eight minutes because mm -hmm. we usually like sets of four, but mm -hmm. you made it work with where you were doing the intervals, kind of how you felt on the day. Right. And there's no secret recipe. You still got – the correct amount of time at the right. correct amount of power that worked for you. I felt day. really good about it, especially with the air quality. Right. And I had just come off the healing from that weird staph infection I had in my elbow. Okay. Then this week, a couple of days ago, you and I went back up there together. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'll just, I'll go for a little higher power. So I was going to target my eight, was it my eight minute power? No, my six, I think I then you're 16. Okay. So I'm getting so confused. My VO2 16 max. minute yeah. power. Which meant I was going to try to target around, oh my gosh, I think it was like 225 okay. for these intervals. And I was a little bit intimidated, like, okay, it was really hard to do 210 last week. Can I do this? Right. And I did. And I only did four of them. So I, I reduced the number so I knew I could right. like mentally push it a little bit more. So I did four by these intervals and it turned out to be like less than five minutes because I was going harder. Right. I made my numbers. I was like 225 to two. Actually, I was like closer to 230. I really nailed it. I was really excited about nice. that. And I whipped around the loop much faster, so I really only had like about a two minute, two and a half minute break in between intervals. Okay. So I, was, I like thought that was really cool. Like yeah. I, I made it harder by reducing my rest time, and by upping my power, but then I reduced the number of intervals down four from six. Right, and you were doing about eighteen ish minutes of your sixteen minute power. So yeah. again, being right in line with kind of the prescription and just going about it to fit your needs, your. Mm -hmm training venue that you had you know the length of yep. the climb and everything that you were working with so yeah it was perfect. really it was really great i i love that route and i love those two workouts so yeah absolutely yay for that yeah and i likewise had a great workout that day too so um, yeah, you and nico were flying by yeah I, I was doing so the the prescribed workout was four by two minutes at eight minute power and then four by four minutes at 16 minute power i wasn't totally on like up for that that's a pretty tough workout. So I did, what I did is I sort of split the difference and I did six times three minutes mm. 
um, starting at my, um, make sure I get this right, 16 minute power. I, know, I loved it already. And then increasing power to my eight minute power. Oh, that's right. Actually, you, a little you above. You nailed my eight that one. Power. Yeah. I remember so seeing your chart. It was a way of sort of blending the two sets into one set to, to one sort of get it down, but also to fit the, the climb. Because right. for me, that grapevine climbs a, a hair over three minutes when I'm going really hard. Yeah. Um, that, the lower grapevine. So it just worked rather than trying to do a two minute one and like turning around and coming down. And then the four minute one, when you go beyond where we turn around, yeah, it sort of levels out, out a little bit. Ideal. Yeah. Excuse your numbers. So just making what we were, had available to us yeah. and what we wanted to do work. So yeah, it's kind of crazy that it takes me five minutes to get up there and it takes you three. That's really annoying. <laughs> yeah, right. Damn it. All right. Well, anyway, it was. A good week of training yeah, overall. Absolutely. One one more to go and then um, we'll be ready for a little bit of a break here. So all right, very good. Um, so questions. I had a lot of questions okay. over this last week since our last episode pertaining to um, my our reference of the the lack of a better term, the weight loss I experienced through my like dietary changes mm. in Winter Park for those three weeks of that altitude camp. Right. Um, quite a few people sent me emails like, you know, what'd you do? We want to learn more specifically what you did, um, you know, because they were curious. So, um, I want to, that's what sort of spurred the, what we're going to talk about in this episode, which is, um, basically diet and nutrition insights. Well, you have been (laughs) on a reading kick and you tend, you gravitate towards nonfiction books. Like I, I grab a novel and you grab some sort of you know, nonfiction informational book. And you just finished this book that is amazing and you're going to talk about it and put this in the show notes, but it's called Deep Nutrition. So between your experience in Winter Park at at your training camp and reading this book, it's sort of been life-changing and we want to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly interesting and... um, Oh, I'm going to say life-changing. Life-changing. Yeah, Yeah, I think it it really is. (laughs) It's one of these books um, where... Again, I realized at age 46 that, that there is so much I do not know. Right. And just in general, I think we need to like know that we don't know what we don't know. Like walk through life humbly and open to learning new things. Yeah. Because we just don't know what we don't know. And then to sort of, I don't know if parlay is the right word or piggyback off of that. But I like parlay. Go ahead. Also, there's some things that we as a society have been instructed to do or not do in this case, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of eating that were just false. Yeah. Just incorrect. We've been hoodwinked. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll get into that yeah, for we'll sure. Get into that. Um, and uh, several, you know, a lot of it people are already kind of familiar with, but yeah, I guess it has been in a short amount of time, life changing. Yeah, but, I um, think so. And, um, oh, I did. Do you mind if I talk about what I was going to say with my own? Oh experience? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you shared a lot about, um, your, fat loss, how you leaned your body composition by four pounds or so. Yeah, over the three weeks by basically not eating. I didn't have any sugar available Mm -hmm. to me for three weeks um, and then just eating very healthfully. Yeah. Uh, And we'll get into more of the details of what that means. But And I I listened to you and let you share because it was really kind of your deal you were talking about your training camp. And I, I hesitated to put my own story in there because as a female, I, I do know that many females out there have a lot of baggage when it comes to talking about their bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, Gosh, you know, you've been teased as a kid. 
maybe you were too skinny, you were too fat, who knows? Like we just have baggage from growing up. Sure. And if anyone knows me, they know I'm rather, I'm going to use the word skinny, even though I absolutely hate being called skinny, <laughs> but that's what people would. You're very lean. I'm very lean and yes. I'm also all arms and legs. So I look. You're very limb, limmy, limmy, <laughs> <laughs> limmy and lean. <laughs> that doesn't sound normal. So I didn't want to say, oh, I guess what? I lost four pounds too because I was afraid people would think either um, I, I was bragging like, or I thought, I or thought like eating disorder I have some something. sort of like body dysmorphia yeah. that I thought I was chubby and I needed to be skinnier because I, I truly don't have any eating problems. I like that's not my thing. I've been pretty honest on this podcast that my problem is I want to drink too much. I don't really have a problem with overeating, but, um, I had noticed over the last couple of months from the COVID situation, the yes, right. <laughs> my little COVID situation became like four or five pounds around my midsection and my stomach was, my abdominal area was bloaty and I was starting to feel kind of sausage-like in my bite kit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Been there, been there. Been there, yep. Um, and I just wanted to like clean up and, and, and just make myself more healthy as well. Right. So I stopped drinking very much. I'll, I'll let myself have a beer now and then. And I went to a wedding the other night and had a couple glasses of wine. But in general, like I stopped drinking. For, and and you had gotten accustomed to a few glasses of wine. Oh, yeah. As well as during the quarantine, at least. Like oh, you really got into gin. Much. Oh, I was into gin, gin and, and tonics. tonics. Yeah. It was, it was a little out of control. So, um, and I wasn't feeling very good. And here right. I was writing a lot. Mm-hmm. And I would look at myself in the mirror and go, what? Why, why am I like... Oh, like, ooh, around my middle. Yeah. I just didn't feel very good. And um, I'm just so happy that I was able to, like, stick with this because it's been tough for me to break a habit of drinking. And I have lost, like, four or five pounds, and I just feel better. I'm sleeping better. I'm not bloaty and gross in my... Yeah, your gut my, biome's probably yeah, better. Yeah, I'm just really bowel movements happy. Are better. So... <laughs> That's so we got to talk about it. There's we got to no talk about pooping because actually Cody, you guys can't see him, but he's wearing one of his favorite t-shirts. It oh, says, yeah. eat plants, take epic dumps. Yes. I really hate the word dump. It's so like high school boy, but <laughs> that's okay. Anyway, so my little story is just that I'm feeling a lot better and I'm also learning that I need to learn more and I'm very excited about having read this book and I'm going to dig into it a little more deeply. I There's so much more I would like to understand. Yeah, and that's what we'll basically do with the show is dig into it moderately deep. Um, yeah, we don't want to bore everybody. Bore but everyone, but... Kind of the takeaways that, that we gleaned from it. Yeah, um, like when you read a book, what's the summary? Here's our summary. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, let, let's kind of dig into it. And before we do, um, we do want to throw out the little asterisk or, or whatever caveat. That, caveat that, you know, we are not doctors, we're not dietitians, we're not scientists, physiologists, anything of that nature. We are simply self-educated and passionate learners of health and nutrition and obviously training as well. And myself, um, also a culinary school graduate. Mm-hmm. So food and nutrition and health and diet and all that is very important to us. We, yes. And I enjoy reading about it. I enjoy talking to you about it. Um, and so this discussion in this episode, actually, I mean, the discussions in all our episodes are basically our opinions from our own personal experiences and those of, you know, the 
hundreds of athletes over 15 years that we've coached. Yeah, and we're continually learning ourselves. Like we've been Exactly. We've talked about how we're really plant-based and now I'm realizing from having read this book, I need to add more animal products back into my diet. Right. So I'm open to being told you don't know everything and I know that right. already. So please, if you're interested, listen to what we're going to say, but consult with your doctor if you have any questions, comments, concerns as far as your own health. Um and, um, and actually, let's plug our friend Christine Zimmerman right now. Oh, yeah. Because she's idea. an incredible human being, number one, incredible athlete, and a, one of my best friends. She is a registered dietitian. She is a dietitian. She is yeah. incredible. And her, her specialty has been with diabetics and also just people trying to improve their, improve their healthy, body composition. And she has a real special knowledge of diabetics and obesity, but she is very good about working with anyone. And she's a great athlete. I think you oh, mentioned she's that. she's yeah. ridiculous. Um, yeah. And what her integrative nutrition? Well, I know that her, I think her website is Care With Food. Okay. And it might be carewithfood.org. I should have double checked that, but we can put a link in yeah, the show Yeah, we'll put notes. a link in the show notes um, on that if you are looking for an actual prof- professional <laughs> in this subject. And not just two people blabbing right. in their laundry room. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, and then before we launch, I have a funny, in my opinion, funny little side note. It is actually funny. Because, I mean, like I just said, I'm passionate about this. I've been interested in food since I was about 17 years old. Yes. I had a, um, a very influential mentor, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. in the last three years of my high school life, um, Steve Strine, who lives in Sedona, Arizona. And I get to see him about once a year. We still connect and go for bike rides and stuff. But he was very much, in my opinion, at least ahead of, his, ahead of the times Absolutely. of recognizing diet and nutrition. And that, I mean, he introduced to me what um, you know, trans fats, they weren't called that at, at that time, but the hydrogenated oils, I distinctly remember him like explaining, like mm. he would not touch anything with hydrogenated oils in it. And he'd go on and say why. And, you know, at this time I was just a normal teenager eating you oh, know, yeah. Taco you, Bell and, and Doritos things. and Mountain Dew. You, yeah. you had kind of a crappy diet. I did. Yeah. I'd say the typical teenage American teenage right. diet for sure. And that really, as I got more interested in cycling and improving my ability there, mm-hmm. it, the connection of here's this super healthful, you know, dietary conscious person who's an amazing cyclist and is more or less my coach at this young age. And that was very influential. And then I just started like learning anything mm-hmm. and everything I could about food. And that's kind of where it went. But the funny part of this is I've been raised on the money from big agriculture and the sugar industry. Yes. And so my dad um, worked his entire life as a meat salesman for one of the biggest, you know, big agriculture meat producers in, in, in America mm-hmm. and, um, you know, sold meat to the restaurants in the Phoenix area and really around Arizona, um, restaurants and, and grocery stores. And then my stepdad growing up also, he worked, he basically, he owned a trucking company that took liquid sugar or corn syrup mm-hmm. off of rail cars in Phoenix, Arizona and to haul it in, you know, around Arizona to the Pepsi plant and the Coke plant and the yeah, it's really ice crazy. cream manufacturers and everything. So it's like I grew up be, you know, living on and yeah. everything I have basically came from <laughs> big agriculture and the sugar industry. Um, so pretty interesting. And now, uh, you know. Well, you had an interest in food from – a young age. And your mom was really busy. She is an entrepreneur and a businesswoman and she didn't 
like really care about cooking that much. And so you sort of took over some of the, yeah. the duties at home. I remember you take her checkbook. Yeah, and I go, go to the grocery shopping. Shop. Yep. Yeah, go to the grocery store and do all the grocery shopping. And you started being the one responsible for those food choices yeah. of, of what came into your home. And I figured out, you know, all about the nutrition labels because those were kind of a new thing yeah. when I was a teenager and, you know, reading nutrition labels and ingredient lists and all those sorts of things. So something I'm, you know, very passionate about, but it's just kind of an interesting intermingling of It's really interesting. All that. <laughs> After you told me that story upstairs before we came down here, I started thinking about my own childhood, and I come from a very big family. I have four sisters, so my mom and dad were doing their best to clothe us and feed us and help us grow up on a pretty limited income. My mom was a stay-at-home mom when we were really young, and my dad was a salesman. My mom was trying her best. I distinctly remember she bought natural peanut butter one time. Okay. We freaked out. With the out. separation yes. of the oil, yeah. We thought it tasted terribly. Right, because no we, sugar in it. We yeah. revolted. <laughs> And she never again bought it, and we switched back to Jif. Okay. And I look back now and go, oh, my God, what? I can't believe she let us bully her. She should have she stuck to her guns. She was trying. She was really yeah. trying. <laughs> nice. And she bought the good stuff. And then I also remember her. Well, she was outnumbered. With she was outnumbered. Five, like, and four yeah, sisters. five against one. Yeah. And I think she one time also made grilled cheese with just, like, nicely, like, cheddar cheese. Like that a she good just, cheese. Yeah, she yeah. Just, And we, again revolted and said no you better make that with american cheese the american singles oh, my gosh. oh gosh <laughs> sorry sorry judy um yeah pretty funny and, and i mean to everyone's credit i mean we were basically fed incorrect information through the 80s mm-hmm. and 90s and um you know look at people today and we don't look so healthy on the whole you we know we don't I came home the other night and you were watching uh, from pick, from pickleball and you were watching a documentary downstairs. Yes, and it was about game sh- uh, uh, Sorry, video games. Video games. Kind of how like video games started. It, yeah. yeah, and the, yeah. Go but well, you, you go ahead and say it. Oh, yeah. it was yeah, it was super interesting because we we're watching this thing. They're showing footage of like video game competitions. Yeah, it was like 1989 then, World yeah. Championship Nintendo. Whatever. 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 Yeah, and we were looking at the crowd of kids, and I, I think I just noticed and said something like, "There's." Not one fat kid in this entire group. I mean, it was really weird. And so, you would think with video game kids, right? And we're looking, so they'd show clips of these things, and we're like, no, no. And then maybe we'd see one, and like, oh, like, okay, there's one kind of chubby, chubby. Wasn't yeah, even, like, one little what chubby we see kid nowadays. or whatever. Yeah, and it was just really interesting. But really in the late '80s, '90s, we just didn't have these obese people, young people, or you know, old, older adult people. Um, yeah, because one of the greatest tragedies for me in our modern society is how chubby. And unhealthy, the youth are. Yeah, it is very upsetting to me. It is very sad. So, and this book, Deep Nutrition, that we're going to kind of talk about here a little bit, um, written by Catherine Shanahan, MD, and her husband, Luke Shanahan. Um, And we'll put a link in the show notes to it if you want to read it yourself. Dives into this whole concept and, and really the nutshell or like the underlying concept, I guess, that I pulled out of this book is that, um, Life is about cellular reproduction, mm-hmm. and you know I know for, I know from a physi- physiology textbook that our red blood cells, for example, um, cycle through, meaning they last and then re- um, replenish, replicate, replicate themselves about every ninety days, so about mm-hmm. every three months. You know, you have a fresh batch of red blood cells, and I think the other cells throughout your body, depending on what the 
you know, org, organ or material in your body is have different rates of this reproduction. But we're constantly reproducing ourselves. I think I even read or heard somewhere that it's like something like every seven years or something, we're, we're like an entirely new yeah, cellular material. Maybe someone can chime in if that's actually true, but I have also <laughs> that heard sticks that. sticks in my mind, yeah. And I told you um, my silly anecdote about that is I, I had my first period when I was 14. And then when I was 21, I realized I'd outgrown my exercise-induced asthma that I'd had in high school and okay. college running. And someone must have told me that seven-year thing because I remember thinking like, oh, it's like my body sort of rebooted. You're like a new person, it was, right? I, maybe that's not even true, but right. it was like really weird. Coincidentally. And yeah. then uh, coincidentally, seven years later, I had babies. Oh, okay. So sort of so odd. A pattern, I was on a sure. seven-year cycle. Right. So, yeah, our bodies are constantly reproducing itself mm -hmm. at that DNA cellular level. And the number one thing that contributes to whether that goes well or not mm -hmm. well is what we put in our mouth. Right. The, the food quality communicates food. to the cells. Right. And so if you don't have a great diet, when those cells are reproduced at whatever rate they get reproduced, they're going to – those kind of new copies are going to not be quite as good as the original copy, mm -hmm. right? And if you do that over months and years, your body is degrading itself yeah. and getting old. That's basically what aging is. Whereas if you eat well, put good food in your body, those copies are much more similar to the original or the previous copy, and you are not "Quote unquote aging as quickly, or you know, your body's lasting." Well, you hear longer. the term, "Oh, she aged, aged so yeah. gracefully, or she aged so." Or well, she looks but, well for her, age, or looks good for her age, or whatever. People act like it's a mystery, but we're learning that it's really not a mystery. It's it's simple at some level that it, de it depends on what you put in your mouth. Right. The tricky part has been that our society fooled us into thinking that some foods were healthy when they're not. So we're learning more and more now that we were told the wrong thing. Right. Exactly. Um, so in essence, I mean, your health comes first. Performance follows health. And that's why we're talking about this kind of subject because we're not going to talk much, if at all, about training. We do plenty of that. I mean, our three pillars of success, I guess you could say, and, and we did not come up with these, but we certainly align ourselves with these, is movement and exercise. Well, for us, that's the training. We talk plenty about that. Sleep and stress management. We've talked quite a bit about that in, in the past, specifically in um, episode three of our podcast. We talked about sleep and stress management. And even much more recently, episode 42, we talked about sleep strategies. Mm -hmm. So plenty to listen there. And then diet and nutrition is that third element. And if you can nail those three things, you are going to be a health, healthful person, you know. And therefore perform better yes, athletically. Exactly. Because that health leads to better performance and that's kind of the underlying concept here so all right so um diets i mean we've said this before in a previous podcast that people really should not prescribe to a diet and diet in quotes yeah with a name you, you shouldn't if your diet has a name you're probably not doing it as good as you could do it mm -hmm. in terms of your actual diet um Instead, eat for health, right? And right. in the book, she actually, what did she refer to her concept as actually yeah, the human well, then diet? Then ironically, right. yeah, she <laughs> calls her eating philosophy um, the human diet. Right. Well, everyone needs a name for their book title. Right. 
this, as I read the book, it did make me think about the paleo diet. Mm-hmm. And I've never read a book about the paleo diet. So take what I'm going to say with a grain of salt. But I've had friends who've been very fervent about the paleo diet. Mm-hmm. And I be, became very critical and judgmental. And like resistant. And resistant yeah. to it because I, I don't like someone telling me what to do. And I also don't like names you know like this you're cool because you're paleo well then there's like a set of rules yeah and, yeah that's yeah. all from my childhood, <laughs> childhood with the strict christian church i went to um but the i think the idea with the paleo that whoever came up with it and coined that term their their spirit their the spirit of it was was beautiful and just like this human diet that she's calling um the the philosophy of her eating in this book just that we need to go back to nature like how did our ancestors eat because they they had good genes from how they ate. They ate from the earth. Right. They gleaned from the earth. And I think that's the point, the part that stuck out to me when I read the book. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that could be said about any quote unquote diet, because like you just said, paleo as a whole is actually a great concept. Mm-hmm. Veganism. I mean, as a whole, I think it's a great concept. It's wonderful for the environment. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that and, yeah. and animals and things. Um, you know, by not eating any animal products, I think you're maybe missing out on something. Just like in the paleo, I know they're anti-legume, right? Yes, and I, I think so. no legumes. I think you're missing out on and something. I, I don't think you're supposed to do grains either. So or, or grains, yeah. That's probably why I got so annoyed with that one. Yeah, and then, I mean the list can go on. I mean the Atkins Atkins diet is about the meat and stuff. So they maybe they have that part right, but then they're missing maybe some other parts. And you could. You know, go on high fat, low fat, you know, low carb, keto, all that, you know, whatever diet you're on, there's underpinnings of positive things, mm-hmm. but then you're also sort of missing some things, in, right. in, in my opinion. But, so the author um, of this book just started looking at cultures around the world. Right. Who, they ate very differently, like the Eskimos versus the... Um, the French or whatever. The French yeah. and like people from islands and, and warm cultures. Right. Because you're going to eat what is in your environment. Right. But yeah. the... The bottom line was they were all very much about what can we get from the earth and the surroundings. And nature. Yeah, it yeah. Just, it's really beautiful to look at it that way. Yeah, it really is. And another takeaway, too, that I, I got from this book that I really enjoyed was she said rather than looking to scientists and, and the like for creating and mm-hmm. food and telling you what to eat, that you should look to the chefs. I loved this. Within part. your culture. Right. So just like you said, each culture where you live around the world has their own cuisine and their own chefs and cooks. And But what do all those chefs and cooks have in common is that they're using local food as fresh as possible. As fresh as possible. And therefore, it's as healthy as possible right. for your body. And they're not refine, overly refining things and mm-hmm. using packaged foods when you go out to a, a, a good restaurant or eat something from a, a, a quote-unquote chef right whoops um and i thought that was great not only because i went to culinary school but um it's true i mean i mean in the culinary world at a decent to good restaurant they're using very good quality ingredients and that makes food actually taste good right you know and it tastes good because it's actually healthful for you I love putting it in that framing because sometimes people think healthy food tastes crappy or bland or boring, but healthy food or healthful food should be quite delicious. Yeah, yeah. And and, and people will argue, well, you know, the McDonald's, the Big Mac or whatever, whatever your favorite hamburger <laughs> of choice, that's so delicious. But the food scientists have figured out the levels of 
sugars and processed oils and chemical additives to put into those foods that make them extremely addicting. They don't actually taste good. Like if you go taste real food, it's going to blow that Whopper or whatever out of the water. But that Whopper is extremely addictive and that's why you crave it or people will crave it and have to get it. And then when they get it, it's like, oh, that's so good. But that's a craving. It's an addiction. Um, Cigarettes don't taste good, but people that smoke love smoking, right? I mean, it's really The other problem with fast food is that it's convenient and it's very inexpensive. So it becomes alluring to people. Right, right. So I, I get that for sure. Yeah, so the the underpinnings, you know, eat really fresh, eat free range, eat organic as much as you can. You know, all these sorts of things lead to good, tasteful, and very nutritious foods. Um, yeah, let's dig, dig deeper because she had more than just sort of like the basics that everyone knows. Because I think everyone knows they're supposed to eat less processed food, avoid the boxes, the sugars, the processed oils, right. um, eat what do they say, like eat the outside of the store and avoid the middle of the store? Right, at the grocery yeah, store. So yeah, so I think everyone kind of knows that. And if you, if nothing else, you can just shop more from the outside of the grocery store, you're going to be doing much better than a lot of people. Right. But um, she she was very, it was very easy to understand her book because she t- focused on two things you absolutely should not have in your diet and then like four or five things you should have in your diet. Right. And I like things simple, simple rules, simple guidelines. Um, so why don't you take it from here and talk about the, the things you should not have? Yeah, so two things, it's, and they're fairly simple. Um, number one, everyone would agree. No, I don't think anyone would disagree with this. You remove processed sugars from your diet. Mm-hmm. Like eliminate them, essentially. With the exception of as an athlete, when you're training, consuming sugars in the form of like gels and things of that nature are necessary. So don't take... You have to take that context out. We're talking about in your daily life right? and your your meals surrounding your workouts. Remove those processed sugars. The reason being is, um, well, first a little backstory on sugar. I mean, sugar used to be super hard to obtain. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a really high pri- high prized possession that you would really, you could only get it from sugar cane, which is in like the tropical regions of the world. Um, it was quite the process to get. It was expensive. I mean, in the books you you know, laid out this elaborate story of mm. like how people would have like these special boxes to, you know, in their homes that had the sugar in it and they would just Hoard hold it. on to it, use it sparingly. Oh, yeah. And it was like amazing. Well, I used to read, um, a, I love to read. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the book sets I loved as a child was The Little House on the Prairie yeah. set. And that is a vivid memory from those books okay. that Ma Ingalls, had a precious store of sugar, and it was not to be touched. Right. And one time, Ma and Pa Ingalls went away for the weekend or something. And the kids, and the got kids into it. <laughs> Yeah, and it was like, there was hell to pay when they got back, okay. because that was precious. Right. And we don't think about that anymore, because you go to Safeway, and you buy a bag of sugar for like a dollar. It is not a big deal. Right. Well, and that sugar that you're getting is not, most likely, especially if it's a dollar, actual like sugar, sugar from sugar cane. So... What they figured out is sugar is delicious, the manufacturers. <laughs> it's difficult to make. It's, you know, only in very few places can you actually grow sugar cane and process it and all that sort of stuff. So they figured out, oh, we can actually create sugar from beets. So mm. the sugar beet blew up, and it's one of the biggest, like, global uh, farming items there is now. Very cheap, easier to produce, 
the price of sugar came down and now you can get sugar anywhere and everywhere. And then on top of that, we figured out how to get sugar from corn, right? Oh, corn Lord. syrup. And yeah. that's even worse for you. It makes sugar cheaper and it makes foods, processed foods, taste, quote, better and more addictive. So the, you know, the food industry was all over it because they could make better tasting food that people are going to buy more of. Right. And it was also a bit more shelf stable, I believe, as well. So, you know, all of these things that, you know, as the refined sugar industry exploded, our diets deteriorated significantly and down it went. Uh, We've already said sugar is highly addictive. I mean, there's studies showing it's as much or more so than like cocaine in terms of like laboratory mice and those sorts of things. I mean, I can attest to that. I because you tried cocaine. <laughs> no, but I've yeah, a sugar you, you addict. Are a sugar addict. I've cut it out mostly. I mean, I, I'll still nibble little things here and there. But um, when I, I said this in the last episode, the three weeks in Winter Park, I had no access to sugar. After about ten days, that craving did go away, mm-hmm. and then things actually tasted sweeter, like the natural sugars right. in the foods I was eating, like fruits and things. And I didn't. The cravings went away. It was right. really cool. Well, and the same for me for eliminating alcohol. That's a huge sugar also reduction. Sugar, and, right. and yeah, I don't crave it that much either. Right, right. And it, you, you will for a while. Oh, I did, for sure. And then you kind of break that, that cycle. And then the other big thing, too, is that sugar turns to fat. Mm-hmm. And we were told in the 80s and 90s, you know, don't eat fat because fat makes you fat. Well, that's incorrect. It's sugar that makes you fat. And what happened in the 90s, low-fat foods, well, they don't taste good, so they add more sugar. So now we're taking the fat, which is mostly good for us and satiating, replacing it with sugar, and no wonder we're, you know, obese now in the 2000s. So, um, you know, people are recognizing that and learning that, and, um, you know, things are slowly changing in the positive direction for that. But um, sugar makes you fat, basically. And then the other really important thing, too, is the sugar that you eat – feeds the, quote, bad bacteria in your gut. So mm-hmm. the gut biome, I love stu- like reading about gut biome. In that yeah, whole... I think I just picked up another book for you yesterday. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's good and bad bacterias, the, but the sugar feeds the, quote, bad bacterias. And those bad bacterias then grow and they kind of push out the good bacteria. So it really makes having a good microbiome in your gut very difficult if right. you're consuming a lot of sugar. So major reasons to, to remove it. Yeah, she was pretty serious about it. Like sugar is... The killer, the number one killer. Yeah, and she she herself has had a lot of um, connective tissue disorder in her family yeah. and her, personally. And she would tell stories about how she would, when she stopped drink, or eating sugar in her diet, her knee pain was gone like in a couple of days. Right. It was really fascinating. Yeah, and then there were also bits in there about, you know, it's, sh- it's sugar that's leading to, like, the hardening of arteries mm-hmm. and things like that, not, not fat and fat. cholesterol, like, was right. first thought. And, it, you know, it's the sugars that are causing a lot of the strokes and heart attacks and things in people, too. So, just not good. It's, it's basically poison. <laughs> yeah. um, you can enjoy it in small amounts and special occasions, but as far as a daily diet, it needs to go. Sound good? <laughs> Preach. Yeah. Um, number two. And this was a, a real... This, this one was amazing. This, yeah, this one was definitely a bigger eye-opener. Um, 
something that I've been aware of, but didn't, I guess, realize the severity extent of it, and yeah. severity of it. Um, and that is removing processed oils from your diet. Well, this is one of the huge problems in our society, the hoodwinking I referred to. Right. Because we were told, I think it was the 90s, that canola mm-hmm. oil was the healthy oil. Right, because butter and saturated fat was were the bad. enemy. Yeah. Right. And so everyone and was switching over to fats. the canola oil. Yeah, canola oils, vegetable oils, soybean, you know, that's, those oils. This makes me so angry. Yeah, and, and again, the food industry got their hands on it. It's and cheaper. They, they're profiting from it. Yeah, these polyunsaturated vegetable oils are much cheaper than um, saturated fats. Because saturated fats are, for the most part, found in animal products. Um, coconut oil and palm oil also have saturated fat. Those are some of the few plant sources, but most of it comes from animal sources. Animal sources are expensive. Vegetable sources are cheaper as a general term. So the food industry was on board with that. And then they even figured out much earlier than I realized, it was like in the late 1800s, they figured out that bubbling um, hydrogen through the oil and compressing it and heating it up in such a way you can oxidize the oil and basically turn a liquid polyunsaturated vegetable oil to a solid at room temperature, mm. giving it the characteristics of saturated fat. So much cheaper than butter um, and more shelf stable. Yeah, that's what was sticking out to me, the shelf stability of it. Yeah, so they then could produce these, put it in their packaged foods, and it, you've got the taste of butter, but it lasts longer and it's cheaper. And that's your hydrogenated oils and your trans fats, they call them today. So Mm. what's really great is people, I I think as a society, most people in the know know that trans fats are bad for you. They've become, well, they're outlawed or banned or whatever in Europe, from what I've read. They're becoming that way here, I believe. I mean, um, all packaged foods are removing trans fats if they haven't completely already, but it's, it's on the way out for sure. I mean, everyone recognizes that it's truly harmful. It's truly harmful. For you. Uh, but the other thing that most people aren't quite on board with or realize yet is that just the, the the left alone vegetable oils are also harmful for you. Yeah. I have to be honest. I didn't really know they were toxic or harmful or bad. I knew they weren't ideal. Mm-hmm. And they That if you could choose, you should choose an olive oil or a canola. I'm sorry. An olive oil or an avocado oil or um, coconut oil. But I didn't. I didn't see them as like this death bottle, <laughs> right? Right. So we. I think we had a little um, container of it in our pantry that Noel was using for some baking for projects. Baking, yeah. And then, you know how much I love chips. Like I have a salty tooth, and I wouldn't think about how gross it was that these chips were cooked in canola oil or sunflower oil or safflower oil. Right. I just thought, oh, I can eat this. It's fine. I'm yeah. just eating a little bit. Yeah. And in, I mean, in a nutshell, the why they're so bad for you is that to process, to get these fats, oils, out of these basically fat-free things like soybeans and corn and the like, they're having to use extremely high pressure and high temperatures to extract the the oil from from the plants, what happens though is that then that oil, because of the high temperature and high pressure, gets oxidized, mm-hmm. and you're um, it's not too dissimilar from the trans fat hydrogenation process. Now they do still remain liquid at room temperature, so they're not technically hydrogenated oils or trans fats, mm-hmm. but they're 
figuring out that they're just as bad and in some cases almost worse for you. Right. And the term that she uses in the book that I think we'll start hearing more and more about is um, calling them mega trans oils. Okay. Um, so keep an ear out for when, if you hear that in the media in the coming months and years. So these things are just not good for you. Yeah, and she delves really deep into, really deep, yeah. into both it's these topics, sugars and processed oils. So if anyone is interested, read the book because we can't do it justice. Yeah, we're pulling the simple stuff Oh, out the here. simple stuff. Yeah. But the sugars, the processed sugars and the processed oils are linked to allergies, nerve damage, neurological disorders like autism. And we should really take that seriously. Look at the rise of autism in our kids. Yeah. And let's look at the link to oils. Um, and then age-related diseases and poor health. But yeah, she, so she takes a deep, deep dive into both topics, and it's it's definitely worth reading. Yeah, absolutely. And even if a young kid has autism, you're like, well, they haven't consumed enough bad oils and stuff in their life. But it goes all back to that DNA structure of the cell reproduction. It's not only in the individual, but also what their parents consumed yeah. and what their parents' parents or the kids' grandparents consumed. And you know, those things are now starting to catch up to us second and third generations later. That That's why the, this new young population, we're seeing things like autism and obesity when a kid is like six years old or whatever. You know, right. It's like, so how do they become obese at six? Yeah. Because sadly, their parents gave them these genes that weren't ideal. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I like that focus in the book. And again, she takes a deep dive into it. And we can't do it justice. But it was really fascinating. Yeah. And as I read it. I was thinking as a mom, like, oh, I wish I could go back and do my pregnancies again. And they were a long time ago. And I, I did a fairly good job. But if I knew now what I – or if I knew then what I knew now, yeah. I, I would do it differently. And I would give the girls, like, the best, best, best chance I could have given. Right, right. Because, you know, I, poor, poor Noelle has hypoplasia, which means she has less enamel on her teeth. And that was from – what I couldn't give her. Yeah, you were depleted. Yeah, yeah going and that into makes it. me really sad. Right. Yeah, very interesting. So it's fascinating. Yeah, highly recommend that. Basically, the first half of the book talks a lot about these subjects. Um, and the last little thing, and I've said it kind of already, basically, but food manufacturers know that adding these processed sugars, processed oils to foods in the right amount makes mm -hmm. them highly addictive. And that's, I mean, that's the underlying thing. So it's like avoid the processed foods and you're going to cut out most of those sugars and oils out of your diet because right. it's easy if you're making food from scratch or mostly from scratch to not include the oils and the sugars and things. So, um, yeah, really good stuff. That's it. So we talked about what we, we should remove from our diets and let's talk about what we can add. And I did find this really cool cause I, I didn't, I hadn't thought of some of the categories that she that she referenced. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a, it was really kind of fun to learn. Yeah. It was a bit of an eye opener and, and, and also connected a lot of dots too. Cause I think in general we have, you and I have a really good overall diet, but, but I love that we can add more good stuff. Right. That's what I'm taking out of it. Exactly. Like the, the sprouted foods and we're going to get to that. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I don't know anything about them and I'm excited to learn. We're going to learn. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So number one, and we've said this before on the show, increase your vegetable slash natural plant food intake. I mean, everyone kind of knows they need to eat more vegetables. I mean, it should be literally the bulk of your diet. It should be natural plant foods slash vegetables. Um, reasons being, um, 
fiber is one of the big ones. Um, and also it's just the freshness. I kind of got ahead of myself, but that the fresh foods, Mm -hmm. ideally locally sourced, depending on the time of the year, of course, um, and where you live and all that sorts of things. Um, well, this is what makes me want to live in a little village in Italy because I feel like we could have a better chance of obtaining those. obtaining yeah. what we really want. Like walk down to the market every day and buy the radishes and the greens that were pulled from grandma's garden. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and here we have like Safeway. Right. It's kind of disappointing. <laughs> um, I typed in here, beans are the bomb. Um, eat a lot of beans, whatever beans you want, soybeans, <laughs> black beans, pinot beans, not jelly beans, garbanzo beans, yeah, not jelly beans. Um, beans are amazing, or I guess legumes is what we should probably call them, but, um, beans are great. Don't avoid those. That's my big hit against the paleo diet I don't, yeah. and the whole 30 diet. I think, um, I don't understand why, but, um, they say don't eat those, but they're very, very good for you. So much fiber, so many good nutrients. Yeah. Um, and then the vegetables and natural plant foods just provide those prebiotics for your gut biome. Right. And, and prebiotics are essentially a fancy term for the food that's feeding the bacteria, the biotics, in your gut. So you've got bacteria in your gut. You want to feed them these vegetables. And some vegetables have more prebiotics than others, things like artichokes, green mm-hmm. banana, you know, greener bananas, um, there's a list of other ones, but they're particularly full of prebiotics that right. feed that good bacteria, and it helps it flourish in your gut. Um, now, one little caveat, too, that I thought was really interesting is she was adamantly against um, nut milks. And, oh, adamantly against. Yeah, and okay. processed, um, like, vegan meat, like fake meat. Is she against tofu? Tofu was an interesting subject. Cheap tofu, yes, because it's similar to the vegan meat in the okay. sense that it's highly processed and likely oxidized in the in the processing, high heat kind of thing. Okay, similar to the oil situation, um, but actual tofu, the way it was originally created in Japan, or you know, where it's actually a fermented, oh, sprouted food. I'm sure I've food. never bought the right kind. Right, so okay. we're gonna have to research where to get that or how to get that. All right, so, Whole Foods or something, but. Um, but basically the cheap tofu is not great. And I can see why now. Yeah. It's all these like vegan burgers and stuff are so overly processed that they actually are not healthy for you. You know, I mean, there's no meat in them. And if you're a vegan, that's great. But Oreos are also not, are are vegan. I was going to say that. It took my mind. (laughs) So veganism isn't like this. If something's vegan, doesn't mean you just go ham on it. I'm going to go ham on those Oreos, (laughs) which actually we did last week when we had them after the race. Um, Confession time. And then nut milks. Now, if you have a legitimate milk allergy, there might be a reason to source nut milk. And actually, if you make your own nut milk, where it's literally like a handful of almonds and water, is fine. But these packaged, again, highly processed nut milks that you buy at your normal grocery mm-hmm. store are loaded with usually sugar, although yeah. you can get the unsweetened kind, but also all these like gums and asters and... yeah additional things to make you know, cellulose and things to make last. them like thicker and creamier and more shelf stable yeah and those those are not good for you yeah. so if you can't drink dairy because it's not does does not work for you yeah make your own almond milk or find a literally where it's almonds and water yeah you know, i'm sure it's or out whatever because actually and i'm jumping ahead a little bit but one of the takeaways i took from this uh, was it's okay if you're not martha stewart make little home 
homebody. To make everything yeah, yourself. You don't yeah. have to do that. I, that's not me. I'm going to make some things. I make my own kombucha, whoop-de-doo. But I, I don't have the energy to, like, make my own breads and stuff. So you, she gives a lot of good resources in this book about you can t- eat the Ezekiel bread for the sprouted grain bread, which I do buy. Um, and we can give some more it's tips finding as we go. Yeah, sources. Just don't yeah. feel like you have to make everything. Like, right. All of a sudden, you don't have to go hoe a garden in your backyard and <laughs> and do all these things. Right. That is true. Um, cool. So increase the vegetable and natural, unprocessed plant food uh, material in your diet. Number two, ferment, add fermented and sprouted foods. Yeah, I love this one. Yeah, so back in the day, apparently, that's what the bulk of the grain. So before we could refine grains into flour, into flour to produce bread and other things along those lines, we sprouted the wheat or whatever grain berries, mm-hmm. and then that allowed them to like pulverize them. Yeah, and into, they grind them up. Yeah. The- Mortar, in, the pestle mortar, is right. that what it's called? And and make bread. So apparently bread was quite a bit different many generations ago than what, you know, we get. It's not, it wasn't quite as like fluffy and right. light um, as it is now. So those sprouted grains are like far, far superior, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. And that's not something I'm super familiar with personally. I'm not either. Yeah. I've been buying this Ezekiel bread at the grocery store, and, and FYI and it's to anyone, it's usually in the freezer because it, it doesn't last long. Right, it's not as shelf-stable. Um, and I just knew it was healthy and didn't have the oils, and so we were buying it. It's a little more expensive, but it's worth it. Um, so my knowledge of why I should eat it was limited, but um, I de- definitely would like to learn more about these sprouted yeah. ideas. So they have less impact on your blood sugar. Um, they're better for your microbiome. Um, those were the two big ones that st- stood out in my mind. I think more I read something that it was also easier for people who more are a little gluten-sensitive. Gluten okay. Because there's something more um, easily digest- digestible about the sprouted greens, yeah. like sourdough is as well. Right. And part of it was because you have the whole, literally the whole grain, the mm-hmm. endosperm, the, I forget the three pieces yeah, right. of, the, <laughs> of the grain, but you have all that in there. Um, and she went on a whole thing of how yeah, whole thing. gluten sensitivity is like way overrated but we won't dig into that yeah whole. you're gonna piss some people off. right um and then along similar lines the fermented foods yeah which we've gotten really hooked on things like kimchi and sauerkraut um, in the last couple and kombucha. Of years and kombucha and i love pickled products um pickled. always have but one thing we're trying to figure out is is that pickle actually fermented or is it just has it just been sitting in vinegar? Right. So that's a little weird twist that I didn't know I had to distinguish. Yeah. And I need to look into that. So you have to start looking at probably if it's like the grocery store brand cheap pickles, it's probably not fermented. Right. But if it's a little more expensive or like fancier looking, it's probably maybe yeah. uh, actually pickled and fermented. But um Again, do do your research and, and figure that out. But it, it, this all goes back to more prebiotics, better for your gut biome, um, and makes you more healthful all the way around. So, I mean, yogurt is a that's a big one and, and an easy yeah. one for most people that are dairy dairyable. Um, kefir, <laughs> dairyable. <laughs> yeah, mix stuff up. Why not? Um, kefir, yeah, kefir is interesting. It's like a drinkable yogurt, and we we've been buying it lately and and taking a swig of it, if nothing else, in the afternoon. Sometimes I'll add it to a fruit smoothie if I run out of yogurt. Yeah, so it's a, it's like a quick, it's like a little shot of yogurt, isn't it? like mm-hmm. concentrated, so um, you can get it in. I didn't know this, but real cottage cheese is fermented. Yes, you as just opposed to me that. The, the more tr- like common, highly processed version that you get at your basic grocery store. 
But real cottage cheese, the way they used to make it at home back in the good old days, was a fermented product, as was sour cream. And the normal stuff today is not. Um, but sour cream, if you have plain sour cream, is very similar to yogurt. So um, they can, in my opinion, be interchanged in yes, recipes. Sir. We do that all the time. Um, we've already mentioned, yeah, sauerkraut, kimchi. We've all, our whole family is loving kimchi. Yeah, you can throw it on wraps or sandwiches or on top of a, a like a omelet or a scramble yeah. and add a vinegary, you know, twist to what you're, you're eating, which I think enhances well, the ass- overall acidic flavor, quality yeah. of the meal anyway. Kombucha. And she went in to say like pretty much every culture in the world has like their version of a fermented food. So like tofu in, in Japan, let's say. And miso. And mi- yeah, miso. Um, you know, the list, she had a whole list of like yeah. all the, you know, big cultures in the world and almost all of them had some sort of version of fermented food. Some I, of it sounded it. pretty disgusting, but <laughs> <laughs> each to their own cultures, right? Um, but yeah. Disgusting just, is subjective. Yeah, it is. That I probably shouldn't have said that, but um, okay, we'll move on. Number three, and this is one I've been on a huge kick in the last couple of months, is adding um, grass-fed animal products right. into your diet because you were almost a vegetarian, not intentionally, but just gravitated towards vegetarianism. I was like, I'd have meat when it just sort of sounded good or looked I would good. some, yeah, but I just didn't want it. Yeah, we so didn't much. buy meat at the store, we, you know, occasionally at restaurants or like at a friend's house or something, um, but meat wasn't like a huge thing on our to-do list. Um, and we were starting to buy organic milk. We had been doing that for several years. Yeah. And it was a bit of a... Price shock. Price. Thank <laughs> you for reading my mind. I couldn't get my words out. But it was a little bit of yeah sticker shock. And we were like, sticker whoa, shock. okay, we're going to buy this. And now you've upped the ante. I've upped the ante. And you've, you've insisted that we get the grass-fed organic. And right. that's another price jump. That's another nice little price jump. But, but well worth it, I think. Well worth it because it is important what the cows are and or other animals are eating to produce their byproducts. Right, because the milk you're drinking is this, you're drinking what the cows have been eating. Right. So if the cows are eating corn, literally shit in some cases. Corn and shit. <laughs> excuse my word, but yeah, or soybeans and corn, you're drinking that in your milk. It's subquality. And it's subquality. But if they're out in a pasture eating lovely grasses and grains that they find out there. And all the wonderful omega-3s and all that kind of stuff. then they're going to have a better quality milk. Right. So we have been buying the more expensive, better quality dairy products. Right. And I guess a side note there is that not that we have this unlimited grocery budget, but because we've eliminated other things in in our spending habits like for example, alcohol. Which is expensive. Which is expensive. Yep. Then there is that money available to purchase better quality dairy products or animal products. Exactly. Yeah, and if you don't eat as much, you know, if you don't need animal products, or I should say meat, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, I would, I think she would recommend, the author of the book, you know, the, the yogurts and things on a daily basis. But meat, you certainly don't need that every day, you know, a couple times a week. So if you cut back the volume of meat, that's also going to save a lot of money. Right. And then not to mention any packaged foods. If you've eliminated or reduced those drastically, there's a lot of, you know, more money freed up. So right there's like a lot of money freed up that now you can put into much higher quality animal products and organic vegetables and things like that. Well, and as you mentioned earlier when we were talking about this, that you... (sighs) 
the people who are listening to our podcast probably have the budget for better food if they can afford expensive bikes and training plans and things. Mm -hmm. But we do recognize that not everyone has that in their budget. So you just do the best you can. Right. Absolutely. You just do the best you can. Yeah. And, and, and again, like at the start of the show, we, I kind of chuckled at the idea of like big agriculture and how my dad was, you know, in that and that's funded my growing up and whatnot. And there, there is a place for big agriculture on the whole. I don't think it's a great thing, but because our planet is so overly populated, we actually sort of need big agriculture to feed the population. Um, is it ideal? No. But anyone out there that has the ability to purchase something that's not from big agriculture and you get a, a smaller farmer, you know, locally raised grass-fed mm-hmm. product, you know, why it. would you not do it? Like, yeah. like do it. Um, because if we can reduce big agriculture and but still feed the world, so to speak, yeah. it just seems like our world's going to last a little bit longer. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, that's a, a whole nother topic, I suppose, too. But um, anyway, grass-fed animals, the omega-3s, um, saturate, the, the, the nutshell here was saturated fats are actually good for you. Despite what we yes. were told in the 80s and 90s to avoid saturated fats, saturated fats are actually good for you. They are critically essential for cell membrane formation. So when your cells are replicating, the membrane's that out, outer layer and it needs saturated fat. Um, yes. And it's also critical for proper hormone function as well. And there's hundreds of hormones throughout our bodies, and we need that saturated fat for those hormones to function properly. So um, that goes back to things like these neurological disorders and things that are more prevalent today are likely linked to people not consuming enough saturated animal fats and good quality saturated animal fats. Um, so grass fed dairy, free range eggs, um, from chickens that are out pecking the ground, eating bugs and things. Um, you know, wild game. Yeah. I'm super jealous of people that, yeah, somebody that have that in their life. Yeah. Agreed. I'm not a hunter, but I strictly heavily. I follow this girl on Instagram that raced with me in an Xterra in Fort Collins years ago. And she and her husband are just fantastic. They, they had all their own game. They forage for mushrooms. They have a garden. I'm like, I want to come live super with you. Helpful. Yeah. Yeah, super healthful. And if you can't get the wild gra- game, go for the free-range grass-fed right. cows, goats, sheep, um, pigs, yeah. um, chickens, you know, things like that. Snakes. <laughs> um, and then along the similar lines as that is when you get these animal products, you want to eat them entirely, like you want to eat essentially the whole animal at some point. Um, yeah, this was like her big thing. In fact, she has it as two of her four pillars was eat meat on the bone right. and eat the, the nasty bits, which, the um, organ meats. Right, and so, the skin. Yes. It, it kind of lumped in there as well. So, yeah, and that was a really interesting thing too because, fascinating. again, what were we told in the 90s? Get the you know, boneless, skinless chicken breast. Yes. Because it's, it doesn't have saturated fat and it's healthier for you. Well, it's, they're finding out that's actually not oh, true. I, I remember my mother would put a pan of chicken breast in the oven and with like no seasoning, <laughs> maybe some salt and pepper. She had taken the skin off, no oil. It was the most dry, yeah. bland, disgusting thing that we would get fed. And right. I, sorry, mom, not that you'll listen to this. <laughs> But she was doing her best because she thought if she removed the chicken skin, it would be healthier. Right. And then I remember being a young married woman 
and I didn't really know how to cook and I'd go to the store and oh well I should buy chicken breast that's healthier and oh I think just those are the better cuts of meat the chicken breast and like no, it's gross to buy the the thighs and the drumsticks. I remember thinking it was just sort of like like the cheaper, the cheaper like yeah. that's that's like cheaper and gross and ugh, I don't even know what to do with those bits. Right. But that was the good stuff, like the the connective tissue, the the skin. It's all it's just so good for your body. Right. So when you're eating the meat off the bone, you're getting those bits in there. Um, if I you're had, a giblet, I had no idea. Oh, your person. mother loves the giblets. Yeah, growing up, Thanksgiving, my mom loved the giblets, which is all the organ <laughs> bits in the in the stuffing. You know, I think I was like okay with it until I understood what it was, and then I was grossed out. Yeah. Um, but this Thanksgiving, I'm gonna be eager to. You're gonna eat the giblets. I'm going for the giblets. Why not? Let's do it. In fact, the other night we had. Oh a, yeah. We were treated ourselves and in and the kids to a fancy meal and. We ordered, one of the appetizers was a liver pate. Yes, I, I had never like a had a liver mousse pate. Little, yeah. And I was a little horrified that you'd ordered it. <laughs> we got to go for it. It was delicious. It was, it was it actually was. probably my favorite thing we ate that night. It was delicious, yeah. So, um, and there's ways to obtain that at some grocery stores. And Well, in the book, she lists that Trader Joe's has a Trader Joe's. chicken liver mousse. Yeah, and I'm, gonna I'm sure start, Whole Foods does. I'm going to start getting it. Yeah, and if local farmers markets probably do things like that. So, um Pretty cool stuff. And then, yeah, we mentioned, you know, eat the skin, go for the dark meat. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff is just really good for you for the the collagen and the elastin and all the, you know, soft tissue of the animal is really good for us. So, and that's how people used to eat. I know. And they, you know, if you want to go way back to tribes and, you know, whatnot that would kill the animal, they literally eat the entire animal. Well, I've always been fascinated by the Native American culture and that was one of the things I thought was the coolest part that they would kill use a buffalo yeah. and literally use every including single, the hide for yeah. a, you know a, a fancy jacket. And all yeah, that I thought it stuff, was amazing, so. but I have been just not I, not very interested in animal products. And I read a book years ago about the meat packing industry. Not the not the jungle. Not not the one people are thinking of. It was a Robin Cook novel, and I was so disgusted by it mm. that I couldn't eat meat for years. So I'm open to eating meat products, and I'm really excited about trying some of the ways she's suggesting. Like maybe I don't want to eat a whole steak very often, but if I could get the chicken liver mousse or I could eat a poached egg or I could drink the bone broth right? because um, I definitely want my skin to keep its collagen and elastin. I mean, one of the things that's hard for me as I'm getting older is I'm looking in the mirror and seeing the skin under my neck sag a little bit and the skin on my arms getting wrinkly and pathetic and right uh, I, i'm not really ready for that meat products quite I possibly I, yes i think be. i need to reintroduce some really helpful meat products just for the way i look and yeah. why not yeah absolutely and that leads right into the fourth one which is adding bone broth mm -hmm. to, to your diet um, and this is something we've been aware of for a few years now and a good friend of ours here locally owns a company um, called the pressery that sponsors our junior development team, We Devo, mm -hmm. but um, he has given us plenty of bone broth over the last few years, and it's amazing. Yeah, and I understood there were nutritional benefits to it, but I didn't understand the depths of the it. The depths and yeah. how much and what exactly those. I know were. I'm going to give him a huge hug. Well, a, maybe a socially distanced hug next <laughs> time I see him, because I feel like, yeah, like his passion for this product. I I just didn't even get how amazing it was. Yeah. And now I do from reading this book. Yeah, and, and bone broth as a 
segment of the grocery store is is growing. I mean, I've become more aware of it. And when you go into even your basic like run-of-the-mill grocery store, there's bone broth options on the mm-hmm. shelves. And then you go to like a Sprouts or a Vitamin Cottage or a Trader Joe's or a Whole Foods and there's even more. And there's like yeah. becoming more and more of this like um, artisan bone mm. broth and the glass craft. jars that are yeah like the craft yeah. bone broth and things like that and so it is catching on and it's so so beneficial um the i think what i got out of it the number one thing was that collagen mm-hmm. that you're getting it which is essentially what you get when you gnaw on a bone um you're getting that in the in liquid form and right. you're getting also along with that a lot of amino acids and protein um bone marrow you know is right. in there as well and that has all kinds of benefits um well, I'm so grateful for this having the option to buy the bone broth because I don't want to buy a carcass and boil it in right. my kitchen. Yeah, and in culinary school, that was like week two of culinary school yeah, because I'm everything, everything good in a good restaurant comes essentially from bone broth, like right. your creations, all the sauces and mm-hmm. um, soups, and it all comes from making broth. And you're using, you know, you're cutting up the good quality meats to make one dish and you have all these bones left and you put it in and again the chefs of the around the world have figured out you soak these bones Mm -hmm. add some herbs and flavorings and you end up with this amazing product that is so nutrient dense and healthful for the individual that it's just unbelievable i mean it's literally like this anti-aging serum essentially that uh yeah well you and i both love to eat vietnamese pho soup Mm -hmm. and one of the reasons we love it so much is this flavorful beef bone broth. That, right. Wow, it's just magical. Yeah, so we knew we loved it and yeah. didn't well, understand we were getting such good yeah. nutrients. Let's go get that too. tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, so the collagen and the elastin is so good for your cell structure throughout your body. Your skin, like you mentioned, so from a vanity standpoint of you know having fewer <laughs> wrinkles and you know more elasticity to your skin for longer – Huge, but it all, it's also internally too, mm-hmm. like in your blood vessels. That's and, cool. Oh, right. I did um, read that. Yeah, your arteries and veins and and all the soft tissue throughout your body is enhanced and improved and the longevity of That's it really cool. is increased by, with the bone broth. So, And it's an easy, easy add. I mean, if you if you already make soups, just use bone broth right. as the base. If you cook rice or quinoa, use bone broth when you're making it. Yeah, I think we need to just distinguish that we're not talking about bouillon. We're talking about bone broth. Right, There right. is a difference. There is a difference, yeah. It's actually made from actual bones being cooked in liquid and water, and the flavor gets pulled out of the bones and creates this broth. Um, and, it's yeah, it's just amazing stuff. And you can even drink it, too. And that's what I've come to kind of enjoy it's a little rough right now when it's 90 degrees outside but Mm -hmm. in you know in the cooler months you know heat up a little cup of chicken bone broth and it's quite good actually i'm pretty sure ian's company the pressery their marketing person's really good about their social media i think she even had some recipes about putting the bone broth in fruit smoothies oh i'll be honest i haven't tried it okay but i remember seeing several let's find those and try it yeah Yeah, it'd be kind of interesting yeah absolutely um, so I think those were like the biggest yeah, takeaways good stuff. from this book. I mean, um, yeah, really good stuff. I highly recommend anyone that's looking to improve their health through nutrition, which is the number one way to do it. Um, this is like the book. I think. Yeah, I, I want to send a copy to each person in my family. I, I, 
Well, it could I'm be a not Christmas. being dramatic. Yeah. But I feel like this book is life changing. Yeah, and funny enough, I stumbled upon it. Um, it was actually when I was heading out of town to go to Winter Park for the training camp, and I was at Sprouts getting groceries and stuff and needed a book and so they had a kind of a small little book section oh yeah and i was thumbing through all of them and like, i wasn't yes i'll take this one yeah i wasn't that excited about any of them and this was the one i was like all right i'll just take this one and then it's like the best book i've yeah. ever read so. so the name of the book in case you are just joining in uh deep nutrition by katherine shanahan md yes so good. very good um well cool i think we'll step down from our Soapbox. Oh my gosh, we talked a long time. We're just very excited about it. Yeah, it's this. a great topic. I don't think this is that long. <laughs> Some people do two-hour-long podcasts. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll step down off our soapbox. Hopefully you've hung in there and, and listened, and if not enjoyed listening to what we were talking about. And, you know, take any of it, none of it, all of it. I mean, it's it's up to you guys. We just wanted to share what has gotten us excited recently and things that we're doing with our diet and things we're influencing our athletes to at least try. Um, and uh, thought we wanted to share with you. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Cody. You bet. Um, okay, if you have any questions, go to our forum on our website or you can email us at cody at teamweight.com or kathy at teamweight.com. And we'd love, love, love if you sus- subscribe to our podcast, either on iTunes or Google and leave a quick rating and a review. It does help. Um, overall, people can find us better if there are more ratings and review. Yeah, reviews. get a bigger reach. So definitely do that if you can. And yeah, we'll be back next week. I'm All right. sure exactly what the topic will be. We'll read another book. We can talk, we can talk about that. Right. <laughs> All right, take care, everyone. Have a really great next couple of days. Yeah, thanks for listening.